Welcome everybody and back to another episode of Live and Learn here with the Video Arts Podcast. Danny Sadu back again. I think it's the third episode with us now, isn't it? It is. And I'm wearing the same clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. It's like, it's like we filmed it in one day. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I guess today's episode is all around onboarding and I guess or mm. induction or it's a topic, especially in talent and, and HR and, and L&D, that always is a massive thing for lots of people. So I think a lot of demand for this and share some of your, your expertise, if that's okay. I would love to, yeah. Um, I think a lot of people take it for granted and are complacent when it comes to onboarding and induction. Yes, I agree. And they don't realize the importance and how powerful it is. Um, if, if not done well, it, it can just be a knock-on effect. It just has a knock-on effect and can cause people to um, not integrate into a business well, not perform, not be a cultural fit, and end up leaving sooner rather than later. Um, and the reason why I think it's become more important is because of this thread of, you know, um, the market being the way it is, and 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 the, and it being more competitive to to attract talent. So people are uh, having to look at, oh, maybe we need to improve our onboarding and induction when actually they should have it, they should have been thinking about this ages ago. And I guess it's probably it, it seems like a basic place to start, but I think something people always debate this is when does it actually start? And that I know you're quite passionate about this, and I know what your answer is going to be. But it's you know what it's going to be. I, I know people can debate it, but I've got my view, <laughs> and and I'm not going to change it. When does it. the onboarding officially start, in your opinion? Again, when the person signs the contract. Yes. When the person signs the contract. So when you send the contract to them and they've signed it and sent it back to you, that is when onboarding starts. And they're your employee. They are your employee, yeah? And that is when onboarding starts. And that, for me, is where we should be having regular interaction with... The, and a process as well. And a process with your future employee, yeah? And that is around sending contents, comms to them, the hiring manager calling them, find out how they're doing, arrange an opportunity to have a face-to-face -face interaction, with them, you, the manager, the team, invite them to something sociable, whatever. It's all about all of the above, yeah? Um, because the amount of people I've spoken to who've joined the business I've been working for and have said, you know something, one of the reasons I joined was because of how personalized the onboarding was and I felt really excited to come. And actually I was being offered more money from another company. Do the notice period or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, but I, I didn't join them because I felt that this was the right company for me because you, you seem to really care about the fact I was joining. And onboarding and induction is, is, is massively a part of that for me. So it starts the second to sign the contract. 100%. Just to be clear for everybody. 100%, 100%. <laughs> um, to anybody out there. And I guess probably another potential silly question, but is when does it end, so to speak, or does it never end? And who's responsible for what? That's probably other questions people have. So you've got the manager, you've got the recruitment team, mm. if that's HR or the same team. Yeah. There's lots of variables in this kind of process. When you've designed this process, I know Hunter and at Connison, yeah. you've done this yourself personally, lived and breathed it. How, what's that process look like? What's good been for you in, in that context? In the full cycle, and how long is it? Yeah, so obviously, you know, you, you're on board and you have an induction and then you integrate the person into the business. Yeah. And what you then want to ensure is that they have the best experience through your employee or people life cycle, yeah? And if it comes to uh, uh, the situation that they leave your business, yeah, for whatever reason, ideally you want them to leave because it's a, they're a good lever. They've maximized the opportunities within the business. They've They've kind of, they've gone through everything they can go through and actually they're leaving to go on to bigger and better things and you've been you've helped them to yeah. you've helped them to get to that point within their career ideally um and they're leaving the offboarding for me is just as important as the onboarding 
Yeah. So ensuring that they, you don't, you know, and I see it in a lot of companies. The person that hands their notice in or they've resigned and it's like, you just forget about them. <laughs> yeah. 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 If you forget Judas about them. Yeah, 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 they're yeah, Judas yeah. a traitor. You start yeah. treating them differently. You don't invite them to things, yada, yada, you know, so on and so forth. And that's really important because, as we say, that it's really tough to attract talent. And we don't know how long this is going to last for, right? Yeah, yeah. It's very important that when somebody leaves, they could come back to you. And that whole offboarding experience. Increases the odds of that. Increases the and odds of that. They have an advocate that. to speak to other people. They, they, yeah. they become an advocate, they speak to other people, people are always talking. And if they talk about, you know, you know something, I left this company, but they are a great company to work for. Oh, and I if would, I could go back there. I've regretted it, yeah. I, I would go back there if there was an opportunity. That's the kind of organization you want to be in terms of how people are talking about you. And that offboarding piece is, is so important. So having, you know, um, we have making sure that you have a really nice exit interview with everybody who leaves, making sure that you have some form of leaving recognition for people who are leaving, and making sure that you keep their contact details and you form some form of alumni group where you're communicating, you're, con you're contacting them and, and making checking sure- that, how the checking, checking, how, yeah. checking in how they're doing, yeah? Um, and that was one of the things I wanted to do before I left Collinson and I'm looking to do here at Hunter is creating an, an alumni group of people who leave and so that you can contact them and check in on them and see how they're doing because you never know. And also, I think it's it's how you communicate it as well. Hundred um, percent. I've countless times where you know I've been uh, part of a team and yeah. I've not known until two days before they leave or their last day or something. It's been a bit of a, a secret or yeah, yeah. Not been handled well, communicated or disseminated properly. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I'm the kind of person that if I advocate and I and I push something that I think is of benefit within the people and culture space, I live and breathe it myself. Yeah. So I can hand on heart tell you that there is probably not. I've worked in a lot of organizations. I wouldn't say there isn't one organization where I felt I left badly or I wouldn't go back to. I've still got friends and colleagues and people in my network from all the companies I've worked in. Yeah. So, you know, for example, there was a company I worked, um, I used to work for uh, Furniture Village some years ago. Yep. And my brother went into a local Furniture Village store, I think two weeks ago. And they were like, and I, I, I worked in Furniture Village seven years ago, by the way. And he walked into the store and they were like, oh yeah, we know Danny. <laughs> right, and because of the fact that they knew me, they were you know willing to negotiate with him on a discount and stuff because of the fact I'd worked there, left really well, still got really good contacts there. If I, see, I mean, when I go into my local furniture village store, they still remember me. I have a lot. Of, it's a smaller world than yeah, people it's think. Really, isn't it? It's a Absolutely. smaller world than what people think. And when I leave an organisation, the offboarding in terms of how I leave is how I would like all people to be treated and and the process to be for everybody. So I think we've got the offboarding there, and I guess the. The onboarding starts. I think you shared some really handy tips there. Once they sign the contract, before their their first day, old school that will be the office. Yeah, it, it may be, it may not be. I guess these yep, days it's, yep. it can be different. What from that maybe first, rightly wrongly, in lots of interviews and business plans. There's a 30, yeah. 60, 90 day plan, yeah. which some people probably cringe when they hear that. They, yeah. oh, I've had an interview question. <laughs> it's a bit of a stinker or whatever. How would do you break it up in into days or months? How do you that first three month period? Is it three months you measure? That, yeah, that yeah. I is, it, is it role dependent? You know, what's your yeah, experience? Yeah, I, I think I think the probation is a really. Yep. <laughs> your probation period is such a unique point. It's, it's, it's a negative connotation. It is. It well. is. So, so so things like onboarding, induction, integration, probation just seems to kind of have a. It, it's taken for granted a lot of the time. It's, it's people like I said, people are really complacent around around those words and, and that process. The probation is such an important period. What is your probation for? Probation is to ascertain. As a, as an employer, is this person right for the role? And also for the, for the employee, yeah. for them to say, is this the have I joined the right place? Because yeah. they can they can leave Absolutely. as quickly as 
the company can get rid of you. So actually, it's a two-way thing, yeah, the, that absolutely. probation period. So actually, using utilizing that probation period is absolutely key. So making sure you've got really clear objections, so uh, really clear objectives, really clear goals that you can deliver within that probation period, making sure you've got regular one-to-ones, you've got a real plan of what you need to deliver, and you've identified your priorities for that probation period is absolutely key. So focusing on that, once the probation period is then passed, then you can start thinking about the more longer term and having your objectives and goals be more, you know. Career conversations. And career conversations yeah. and all that stuff, absolutely. But that probation period is so unique and key and people don't use it the way they should be. Yeah, it's about identifying and seeing, right, what support do they need? What development do they need? Because once they pass, the, once they pass that probation period, if it's done well, a personal development plan, career conversation should be an app, should be really easy to have. Yeah. Because you know what their strengths are, what their areas for development are, and um, you should you, you you should be really clear on who that person is and what they need in terms of what the stepping stones they need to, you know, really enhance their career and maximize all their opportunities. And I guess what's been um, again, I know you've answered, but lots of companies don't always act this way. I guess is um, in terms of managers owning that process as well. So this doesn't, just to be clear, this doesn't sit with HR or the L&D team, but lo lots of managers will have that answer. So what have you, in your career, have you faced that? How have you got the management buy-in that from, from this and the contract, that's your responsibility and actually... 100%. So, you know, what tends to, you know, what's historically happened is, is they even, they don't even, a lot of hiring managers don't even remember this probation. Yeah, yeah. They get a notification from the people system. If someone's like, doing quite well. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Oh, sorry, I forgot. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, they, and, and they get a notification from the people system or they get an email, you know, a, a communication from the operations team or HR business partner. And they're like, oh, yeah, sorry, I forgot. Um, <laughs> whereas actually what we, what, what the way I've, you know, me and my team have historically have addressed this is to have the whole thing connected into, into the kind of people and talent lifecycle. So from the moment we say that the moment you are looking to, if you wanted to attract and retain somebody and keep them, that whole that whole life cycle has to be done really well. Yeah. So when the, from the moment the person signs the contract, you need to be engaging with them as the hiring manager and having regular contact to make sure that they feel important and they and they and they and they under, and they and they and just reinforces in their mind that this is the right company and, and they make the place, right decision the and they make the yeah, right decision. Absolutely. Once they've then joined, that whole probation piece of giving them really clear objectives, goals and priorities and having regular one-to-ones with them and, and, and supporting them and coaching them and making sure they go through, pass through their probation and then giving them, once they pass, to give them career goals and talk to them about career conversations and have personal development plans will absolutely ensure that they, you retain them and they stay and they become successful and they end up, and they end up staying within the business. Yeah? There is data to show when you do that process right, you're, there is, I think the increase of keeping somebody more than two years goes up by like 30, 40%. Oh, interesting, okay, yeah. Yeah, so that is absolutely key to retaining talent. So all of this you're doing as a hiring manager, you're doing it to, to, to integrate somebody as quickly as possible into your team and get them to perform as quickly as possible and also you retain them longer. Yes. No. Unless you wanna be kind of constantly changing your team and going through the whole recruitment process again and again. <laughs> no one wants that. No one wants that. Um, I guess I always find it interesting from, from my experience as well as when someone starts rightly wrong, you've got this probation period, which has got quite negative connotations, right? Yeah. Well, so it's, for me, it's a positive. Yeah, it should be. Mate, I, mate, I, I passed mine a few weeks ago, man. I was loving it. <laughs> and, and, and Absolutely, it should be. Yeah, yeah. But there's that risk, you know, that cloud over whatever you think, you know. I think from Amanda's point of view, it's quite clear if they want to keep someone quite early, mm. well before the probation's due. 
I guess, how to get that balance right when, uh, as a manager, you when to know when to push them. So have the career conversations, maybe give them more responsibility. They don't feel overwhelmed too early. This is a skill. Like, how have you found that balance? Kind of maybe bring people to speed, getting the performance yeah, you need, you, but, keep, but not push them too much and expect them too much and push them away back to the competition and this being a really competitive market. It's a manager coming to rock and hard place sometimes. It is true. I, I find that that um, when it's been done well with me, mm-hmm. um, and also when I've seen it work well, is where there is there is a close working relationship between the, the manager and the person. And what I mean by that is that they have regular interactions and they talk a lot and the communication is two-way mm-hmm. and really transparent. Yep. Because the more interactions you have and the more communication you have with the person, the more you get to know who they are. And actually, it is clear to see when they are comfortable, when they're coasting, when you can, they're stressed, when you can give them more work, when you can't give them more work. It's really clear. What tends to happen is, is you're just happy a new person has started. You go, right, all the work that's been piling up, here you go, <laughs> dump it on them <laughs> and go, get to it. All the stuff I've been busy. Yeah, all the stuff I've been building up. Here you go, jump yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You'll check on with them maybe once a month <laughs> or so three times in their probation or however many times in, you know, uh, however long the probation lasts. And then when it comes to it, you know, to the probation piece, they're either either not performing or you're not really aware of what's going on and they start giving you feedback that well, they haven't really had that much support and you're like, oh, and then it's all it's all it's all a bit too late because you haven't been close to the person and it's not been clear. Or or it could be that actually they've been coasting and actually they've they've been kind of twiddling their thumbs and other people in the organization have seen them look yeah, I've kind of, I've noticed that actually they're not that busy and you're a bit like, what's going on? So if you are working closely with you're the person and you're having regular interactions and there's good communication you will be able to identify what's going on it's not it's easier to see if you are doing what you're meant to be doing is my point and i guess the the flying ointment for that is probably uh hybrid working isn't it um so what's your experience been on closing that gap when you're not always seeing people face to face you know, I can. Or I, we could talk. We could. We could. We could. <laughs> make, we could have a whole podcast another, another just, just on yeah, that yeah, on yeah, hybrid yeah, working. Yeah, yeah. But I'll be. I'll keep it really short. Um, the way you manage somebody when they are face to face with you in the office is different to how you manage them when they are remote and virtual. And with hybrid working, you need to combine the two to drive a hybrid working, high performing team. And a lot of organisations don't. I don't think distinguish between the two and don't incorporate that in their organizational learning and in within their OD, which will put them at a disadvantage, yeah? So when you are managing, for example, somebody who is remote and virtual, you, your, your management needs to be more measured, considered, organized, and proactive. Yep. It can't be so natural and ad hoc because you're not seeing them. I think proactive is the, the key yeah? word. So it needs to be scheduled, organized, your one-to-ones need, should be reoccurring. Your team meetings should be reoccurring. And sacred as well. You, they, should be, moved. You should, yeah. Yeah, they shouldn't be moved. They, you, should, you should agree a way of working that is structured and regular and consistent when they're a virtual team, which is, yeah, because then you have those regular touch points. When you're in the office, it's not... It's, it's not, more ad hoc, isn't it's it? More, it can be. It shouldn't be, but it can be more ad hoc because you can physically see when somebody's, their energy levels are low or they're not... Or they're enjoying a task. Oh, or they're not enjoying yeah. it, all of that stuff. I think if you just get into good habits, whether they're in the office or not in the office, it will help you. And I think the final thing then, in true live and learn format with our podcast, yeah. Uh, on onboarding, what would be your lesson learned on this? If, if you could go back in time machine. And you'll know or, what it or, is. Or, yeah, a f- funny story. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. yeah. It, 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 for me, was 
if I wish I'd, I'd, I had come to the realization sooner that onboarding starts from the moment you sign your contract. Because since I've had that mindset, the benefit and, and, and the feedback I've had from people who've joined our business, businesses I've worked for to say it's the best onboarding I've ever had. And the, and the, and the engagement and the, and the excitement they feel has been second to none. So I haven't got, I haven't got to that point yet, Hunter, because it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a smaller organization and I'm having to create a lot of things from scratch, but I want to get to a point where new people join and they go, that was the best onboarding I've ever had in my life. And you can see they're bouncing around the office in there and they're, and they're already starting to perform really early. I suppose they've met the team before they join, yeah, they know the manager a little bit, yeah. they got, you've had some conversations, I think you'll be a lot more excited yeah. and the nerves will be a lot less yeah. than your first day if you yeah. hadn't had that benefit. Yeah. So for me, it, it, it's, it's, if I wish I'd, I wish I'd had in my mindset that onboarding starts from the moment they sign the contract and to have more of interaction activity before they, before they actually come into the office on their first day. We'll get that t-shirt for you, video art style theme t-shirt. I knew that was your answer, but it's great to have you. And thanks again for joining us, Danny, and um, appreciate your, your input. Thank you for having me. Expertise and uh, joining us on our podcast again. Thank you ever so much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks.